0: It used to be if you were trying to figure out how to do something, fix something and wanting to do a good job, a permanent job of fixing something in the right way, you would go to the library and you would go to the how to self-help section and you'd check out a book maybe. Or maybe you might even go to a bookstore and buy a book on how to do this, how to work on your car, how to prepare a certain kind of food. You ladies, if you're cooking, might do that. We don't we don't do that too much anymore. Uh, what we do instead is we get on the Internet and we go to YouTube and we look up videos on YouTube on how to do it. If you're working on your car, I know a lot of you guys have had the same experience I had. If you're doing something on your car and you're not exactly sure how to do it, if you just look that up on YouTube, there'll be a video of somebody there doing what you have to do. And he'll explain how to do it as he's going through the process. He'll tell you how to do it. Some of us were talking the other day, and just sort of in amazement about the people who post those videos on the internet, those how-to videos, uh, you know, I, I've had to work on my car plenty of times, but I never thought while I'm doing this, I'm going to take a video of what I'm doing, and I'm going to explain it step by step, and then I'm going to post it on YouTube. I never think about that, but apparently a lot of people do, because there's video online about how-to fix almost anything and the step-by-step process to do it. We want to talk about a how-to kind of thing this morning, but we're actually going to be talking about it in the reverse, not how to fix something, but how to ruin something. What we want to do in our lesson this morning is talk about how to ruin your influence. How to ruin your influence. Your influence is so important. And the fact of the matter is we all have an influence, there are plenty of people. Each one of us has a sphere. We sometimes refer to it as a sphere of influence. There are people around us, family and friends and co-workers and neighbors, brethren in the local congregation. There's just a whole sphere of people that we have an influence over and we should work hard to guard our influence and not to ruin our influence in the very famous text that joseph read for us just a few minutes ago in matthew chapter 5 jesus talked about us being salt and light let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven jesus said and so jesus was telling us be careful let your light shine guard your influence in first timothy chapter 4 paul told timothy as a young man He said in verse 12, 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You have an influence. You have an example. You need to make sure that it's right. But I'll tell you, there are several things that you could do to ruin your influence. And we want to enumerate a few of those this morning in our lesson. Obviously, these are things we want to avoid. We're not saying do this, but we're saying if you do... Be aware of the fact that you very likely ruin your influence. We stop for just a minute to add words of welcome to those already extended. We're glad that you're here on this beautiful Sunday morning in Middle Tennessee. We appreciate you being here and hope that in the process of coming, you will have invested time that will be rewarded by being blessed in this occasion of worship that will be edified, uh, built up in spiritual things. And more than anything else, that we will have engaged in glorifying God, who is our creator. We thank you for being here this morning and for those who are visiting with us. Thanks, and please come again. What about your influence? Influence is so important. We need to protect it. But sometimes people do all the wrong things and ruin their influence. Let us suggest some of those things. One of the things that you could do to ruin your influence is just be inconsistent. Say one thing and then do another. Let people see you violating the principles that you claim to believe in. In other words, as we sometimes say, you preach one thing, but you don't practice it. You don't practice what you preach. Say one thing and do another. You know what the Bible word for that is? The Bible word for that is hypocrisy. It's a, it's a hypocritical thing to claim that you believe one thing and then do something else. Notice uh, the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 23. The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever ye bid, they bid you to observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works. Notice, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens, grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. I think many of you are familiar with this 23rd chapter of Matthew. And in it, Jesus just goes through a thorough condemnation of the scribes and Pharisees and says over and over again that they are hypocrites. They say and do not. Well, would we be any better than that if we were following that practice? We would be hypocrites and we would be ruining our influence on others when we did that. In Romans chapter 2 verse 21, Paul says, thou therefore which teachest another and teachest not thou thyself, thou that preachest that a man should not steal, dost thou steal? You see the, you see the concept there? You preach one thing, but you practice another. You're inconsistent. You're not following through with what you claim. And Jesus simply asked in Luke 6, verse 46, why call you me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? I would argue that probably this is one of the very best ways to ruin your influence. Don't be consistent. Don't live by what you preach. Don't do what you claim. That's probably the very best way. And we have pointed out lots of times, and I think this is, needs stressing, that it doesn't take a lot of inconsistency to ruin your influence. As we've said over and over again, you can do the, you can do the right thing a hundred times in a row. And then just one time fail. And that one time will have more impact than all of the hundred times in which you did the right thing. People will observe that, they'll see it, and it will ruin your influence. You have to strive to be consistent all the time, because any inconsistencies will ruin our influence. So, first first principle, maybe the most important one that we'll talk about here, is be consistent. Practice what you preach. I want to suggest that you can ruin your influence by being unreliable. Probably all of us have had an occasion of, of someone who just couldn't be trusted. You, you, you couldn't count on them for anything, probably a lot of you on the job have had co-workers who are like that. Uh, they just they just couldn't be counted on. They were unreliable. Maybe they wouldn't show up for work. Or if they did show up for work and you looked around in the middle, middle of the morning, they're nowhere to be found. They're off somewhere loafing. They just can't be counted on, not reliable. I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, there are church members who are like that. Church members who can't be counted upon, who are unreliable. And when we do that, especially when we do that in regards to our spiritual service to God, it has the, it has the effect of ruining our influence. In Proverbs chapter 25 verse 19, it says, confidence in a man in time of trouble, confidence in an unfaithful man, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. So here's here's your unfaithful man. You, in other words, he just doesn't, he just doesn't, you can't count on him. He's unreliable. Well, it's like a broken tooth. you got a broken tooth, you're in trouble. It's like a foot out of joint, you got a sprained ankle, you can't get around. This guy who can't be counted on, this unfaithful fellow who's so unreliable, it's like having a broken tooth, so you can't bite down, you can't chew your food, you can't, that's, I mean, you're just, you're just, completely handicapped by a broken tooth or by a sprained ankle, a foot out of joint. If you're like that, if if you're such that can't be counted upon, that's what you're like. Paul told Timothy, do thy diligence to come unto me, to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. We talk about Demas here in this text. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. There are a couple of other references to Demas in the writings of Paul. And it seemed like Demas probably had been a pretty good fella, a pretty faithful worker at one point. But this letter, 2 Timothy 4, we think is the last one that Paul penned. And the final observation about Demas is, Paul says, I can't count on him. He's not been reliable. He's forsaken me, having loved the present world. That's the legacy of Demas. No matter what other things and even good things that he had done in his life, what he's remembered for is he, he's the one that Paul couldn't count on. He was unreliable. Demas' reputation uh, preserved for us in the inspired word of God is forever ruined. His influence is shot because he wasn't reliable. What about us? Are you such a person that people can count on you? Uh, they just know that you will consistently do the right thing that you can be counted upon? If not, you can easily ruin your influence. I'll tell you another way to ruin influence is simply by being unfriendly, harsh and rude. A while back, Cindy and I had occasion to hear some Christian who was describing how that they had confronted another person. And and this individual actually seemed to be rather proud of the harsh and uh, hard and even hateful words that they had spoken as they confronted this individual, uh, I think maybe at a restaurant or at a store. Hard words they had said. They really put that person in their place and seemed rather glad for what they had done. And I know Cindy observed later, do you think that they could go back now and invite that person to come to church with them? After they spoke to them in that way, after they were so harsh and rude and unfriendly, you think they'd have any uh, good success in inviting that person to come and worship with them. Well, probably, obviously not. So you can ruin your influence by just being a rude, harsh, unfriendly kind of person. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, "...a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity." That sort of goes to that idea of consistency, but it also goes to the idea of being kind and friendly. A friend loveth at all times, good times and bad. Proverbs 18 verse 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You've got to be a friendly, kind, patient, loving sort of person. And if you're not, and in, in whatever instances you're not, then you are hurting your influence over others. I confess that this is a problem for us, for me, for us all, to be consistently kind and friendly people. You can ruin your reputation if you don't. And not far removed from that point is here's a way to ruin your influence for sure. And that is just by being quick-tempered and letting you, uh, you know, let your temper get away with you, being angry, flying off the handle. You know we even have some expressions like that. You know, you think about losing your temper. That that's a figure of speech that actually talks about a piece of metal, a tool, for instance, that's supposed to be hard metal, but it has lost its temper. Doesn't You you have a, 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 a an instrument that's supposed to be hard, but it's lost its temper. It's not good for anything, right? You talk about an axe or a hammer that flies off the handle. It's not good for anything. It's not useful. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I, my guess is that all of us, if we did ask for a show of hands, would have to raise our hand and say, have you, have you ever had the problem of being quick tempered or grow angry or lose your temper or fly off the handle? My guess is that we would all have to say, yeah. Unfortunately, I have done that. I certainly would have too. And you know what happens when we do that is that we harm our influence. Our influence is always hurt when we are quick-tempered. And you know what's amazing? That if you stop and analyze the circumstances that provoked us to do that, they're usually so trivial and unimportant. Typically, when we fly off the handle, it's over something that an hour later doesn 't matter at all, uh, and we need to learn that lesson. We can sure hurt our influence by being quick tempered proverbs fourteen seventeen He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated proverbs fourteen twenty nine He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly Proverbs fifteen verse one a soft answer turneth away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. So we're doing sort of a a reverse how-to here. Not how to fix, but how to ruin and ruin something really important, your influence over others. And you can definitely do it by being quick-tempered. You can ruin your influence by being careless with your words. Again, this is something that probably approaches us all too closely. We have the expression, you know, you stepping on my toes. Well, we're stepping on our own toes, mine and others this morning, right? When we talk about some of the things we do, we do these things, don't we? Sometimes we say things that we should not say. How often have you said things and you wish that you could retract the words? Man, I wish I had never said that. But it's sort of like that old expression of ringing a bell. You can't unring a bell. Once you've rung a bell... You can't unring the bell. And once you've spoken a word, you can't unspeak the word. And that being the case, then you need to be careful, not careless with the words that you speak. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 36, I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Wow. Every idle word that men shall speak. You get the idea that you're not given a pass here. You can't, you can't come around later and say, yeah, I said that, and I shouldn't have said that, but, well, you know, just as soon as you say that, you're, you're preparing to self-justify and offer excuses, right, for what you said. No. Because that's still a, a, an idle word, and you're still responsible for it. You can't unring the bell. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. I I think this is really an interesting expression here about our speech. Let it be like seasoning with salt. Well, anybody who's cooked, and I'm not a cook, you all know that very well, but anybody who's cooked at all knows that when you're cooking, it really helps the flavor of food if you add a little salt to it. But if you add too much salt, you completely ruin the food, right? Right? And so what Paul is saying here is be that way about your speech. Know that to say something is good. But if you're not careful, you can ruin things by saying things that shouldn't be said. Let your speech be as though you were seasoning food with salt. Be careful with what you say because you're almost guaranteed to ruin your influence if you're not careful with your words. Tell you something else that quickly ruins a person's influence, and that is being unwilling to admit that you're wrong. You you know anybody like that? Uh, Do you maybe have to deal with people regularly who are like that? And again, my guess is almost all of us have had that occasion. However, what we're talking about here is not them, but us. We cannot be that sort of person who will not admit that they are wrong. It not only ruins influence, but it causes tremendous trouble. Uh, We're going to cause trouble. We're going to cause trouble in in our workplace. We're going to cause trouble in our families. We're going to cause trouble in the church. If we're the sort of a person who will not admit when they are wrong, that's a perfect way, an excellent way to ruin your influence, but also cause all kind of harm. In Proverbs 12, verse 15, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. You see the contrast there? The foolish individual is one who always thinks he's right, but a wise person will listen to others. You know, someone else can see my situation often better than I can see it myself. I get sort of blinded by the circumstance. And so when someone says, you know, this is this is the way it really is, and you should pay attention, then if I'm a wise person, I listen to that kind of counsel. If I'm a fool, I view myself as always right. A fool is right in his own eyes. How often have we talked about the example of King David in the matter of Bathsheba? You know, You know that horrible story. And you know how the whole situation just went from bad to worse. And so David not only committed adultery with Bathsheba, but he also had her his had her husband murdered in battle. And so Nathan comes to him. And Nathan's famous expression, we've always admired Nathan for his courage, thou art the man. Thou art the man, David. You remember he told him that parable about the Rich man who took a poor man's single lamb and slaughtered it to serve to his guest. David was enraged by that. He could see it. And then Nathan powerfully just drove the point home. Thou art the man. You took Uriah the Hittite's wife. You are the man. And David just humbly said, I have sinned against the Lord. What an amazing thing. Here's David who was, if not the most powerful man in the world of that day, he was one of the most powerful men in the world of that day. And he didn't have to take that. He, uh, if he didn't want to, he could, have, he could have just said, take Nathan out and execute him. I don't, I don't care to hear a man talk to me like that. He can't talk to me like that. I'm the king of Israel. But in his humility, he could see it. He could see what he had done. And he simply said, I have sinned against the Lord. What about us? Have we got the humility well, I mean, I don't think we've done what David did. I don't think that we have committed adultery and followed it up with murder. Uh, our, our sins are different than that. And, and by our estimation, I am not near as bad. I haven't done near as bad a stuff as what David did. I don't care what you've done. If you've sinned, you need to confess it. You need to acknowledge it. When you've done wrong, you need to say so. Because what's going to happen is if you're unwilling to admit you're wrong, You're just going to permanently ruin your influence. Let me suggest one more thing. And by the way, this list, I think, can be largely expanded. There's a lot more to add to this list. But here's one more that I would comment about. We're going to ruin our influence if we give the impression to others that we think we are better than they are. Uh, We live in this generation where it has clearly become sort of the mode of operation of the majority of people is it's all about me. It's all about me. I don't care about you. You're unimportant to me. It's all about me. Right? And so if I give off that impression, what I'm really saying in so many words is I'm more important than you are. You are not important. I'm better than you are. You're inferior to me. If I act that way, how do I hope to have a positive influence on others? I'll ruin my influence if I have that attitude and, and display it to others. Philippians 2 verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's a very worthy thing for us to remember and apply. Esteem others better than self. That's what we need to do. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, the bottom line on this is God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So what about that proud, arrogant attitude? Not only will it ruin my influence, it's going to get God to turn against me as well. God resists the proud, but give it grace to the humble. Well, there's seven things I thought that I could probably add to that list, but I think you get the point point. And and you can think of other things, too. But the matter of influence is so critically important. And please be reminded again that you have it. You have influence. And if you were to stop and try to catalog all the people that do have, you uh, know, that you do have an influence on, them, that do react to you by virtue of your influence, if you were to set and actually write that out, I, I think all of us would be shocked at how many people there are that are influenced by us. You need to protect that influence. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Glorify your Father which is in heaven, Matthew five sixteen. That's what we started out with. That's what Joseph read to us. And that's the principle we need to work on. You have influence. Guard it. Don't ruin it by the things that you say and do. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. Hope that it'll help us all in doing better in this regard. We're going to sing a song of invitation. We want to ask you to think, think seriously, think about yourself and your relationship with God. Is it right? If you've never obeyed the gospel, we'd hope you make that decision. If you understand the truth and you know those simple steps in the plan of salvation, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, we'd hope you make the decision to become a Christian without further delay. If you have questions, if you need help, we'd be glad to study with you to answer those questions so you can make a careful, informed decision to be a child of God. On the other hand, if you're a Christian already, but you realize you haven't been living right, your influence has been ruined by some of the things that you've done, what you need to do is pick yourself up, start anew, ask for forgiveness, be be reconciled, made right with God and your brethren. If you need to confess sins, we'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.